Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. What's the theme for today's service? Finding home. Hallelujah. You see, when people send me messages, and people do it every week, sometimes when I share testimonies on Instagram, I feel tempted to imagine that some people think maybe we get our people to write all this stuff. And that's, that's, that's a hilarious thought. But every week we get testimonies, people just, you know, blessed by the sermons and tagging me. You know, there was someone who eventually tagged me. And out of curiosity, because I, didn't, I don't, know, don't know the lady, I don't even think she has attended our church, I just scrolled. And then I discovered that she first wrote, who has the handle of the pastor of Celebration Church? So she didn't even know. So she just listened to a sermon and was so blessed and was looking for me to tag. So when someone replied to tweet and gave her the handle, she now wrote an epistle. Hallelujah. And people have said all kinds of things. Mothers have said, I want my children to be like you. And it freaks me out. Like, no matter how great I'm doing, there are things I hope to improve. Uh, do you understand? Hallelujah. Nothing out, <laughs> nothing out of the ordinary, okay? You know, but when someone says, Finding Celebration Church is the best thing after salvation that ever happened to me. You know, and people have said that, people who don't know each other have said that in, at different times, different occasions, through different means. You know, and I think about it. Do they really mean this? And if they do, Man, then this is special. Praise the Lord. And I say this with all sense of humility and gratitude in my heart to the Lord. You see, what's happening is special. Special. And it makes me pray, just like Paul was praying, you know, for the church at Thessalonica. They said, pray that the word will have free course and be glorified as it is with you. So when you enjoy such fellowship, such warmth, it makes you desire that everyone in the world would have such an experience. And I'm selfless enough to desire that there will be many more local churches like Celebration Church, maybe even better. Say loud amen. amen. And guess what there are? There are. Any pastor who suggests they're the only ones getting it right, either doesn't go around much or is just plain proud. Hallelujah. So this is not about a personal agenda, the seek to project a personal vision. This is about the Lord Jesus Christ, his message, what he has done. And 
how blessed people would be to come in contact with the real thing. With the real thing. The real message and the real fellowship therein. This is important. This is life and death. Hey, this is eternal life and death. And so, I mean, it's, it's so serious. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. He says, And he gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith. Hallelujah. <laughs> I don't know how some interpret this. But from the interpretation many people have, you can tell that what they think this says is, till we all come in unity despite faith. <laughs> or irrespective of the faith. Because what they think unity of the faith is, is that no matter what you believe, oh, you don't believe in tongues, I believe in tongues, you don't believe, in fact, you don't believe in the Holy Spirit at all. But you believe in Jesus. Hold somebody. Tell him that, you know, that's what they think unity of the faith is. But it says, until we all come in the unity of the faith. So the faith is definite. And our unity is in our understanding, not in our holding hands, not in our association. Can I tell you something? Our church can experience unity of the faith with a church in China that we have never seen before. Do you understand what I'm saying? As long as we are both getting it right theologically, that's unity. Meanwhile, we can be fooling ourselves. I can have a pastor as friend who keeps teaching all the wrong things. I never challenge him, never try to have a discourse with him about what he says and what he believes and all of that. But we are, I mean, we keep taking selfies and all of that, having lunch together. And that's not still unity. It doesn't matter how we put the caption on social media. We are not united in the faith. It might be unity in association. It might be unity in friendship. But not in the faith. Hallelujah. So I posted a video on Instagram. I think it was about three, three or four weeks ago about a pastor who in his church announced that they, there's another church who just moved into the neighborhood and said, you know what, let's pray for them and all of that. And that really challenged me. But there are two separate issues. Two things I want to say in our generation, both of them are very important. Pastors, who readily appreciate other ministers and ministries that are getting it right, sometimes openly don't try to pretend like, like you're the only one who knows, like the only one who is getting it right. You know, you're you are, you are generous with compliments. You, I mean, when you don't have a church in the city, for God's sake, readily recommend people to that local assembly. Do you understand? I want to see more unity in that regard in our day. Do you understand what I'm saying? That both privately and openly, there's genuine love amongst ministers of the gospel. I want to see that. 
No secret competitiveness. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't want to see that. Where you can say, oh, there's a church in the neighborhood. Let's pray for them. Very great. But from the comments and what people were saying, I, I, I'm, I'm sure they had the wrong idea. They just thought, you know, every church, as long as it's a church, let's just unite. Hallelujah. Let me just tell you this. In Bible theology, there's a simple principle. If you want to know what to emphasize, emphasize what the Bible emphasizes. And can I tell you something? One of the most emphasized information and truths in the epistles especially is the warning against false doctrine, false teachers, the Antichrist, his message. <laughs> in some cases, names were mentioned, Himenaeus. I, I think maybe those are extreme cases because of my bias. But I want you to let you know how serious it was. Praise the name of Jesus. In one, on one occasion, Acts 20, Paul said, for three years, I did not cease to warn you night and day with tears in my eyes that these guys are coming, ravenous wolves. They will not spare the flock. I've warned you. I've taught you discernment. So it's a big deal. Why am I talking about this? Because we need to justify talking about finding home. Do you understand? Why is it even something, something to talk about? Can't you just travel anywhere and enter into any church? I mean, some people think it's love work. <laughs> to believe in any church and su support any church. But the Bible begs to differ. The Bible calls it spiritual immaturity. It says when you're a child, you are tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. You can attend 10 different programs of in fact, in some cases, one program that has 15 different guest ministers, all of which contradict each other, and you are blessed. All of them blessed you. Hallelujah. You know, and you see, some people are very sensitive about stuff like this. They don't like to talk about it. You know, and they think that makes them good Christians. But the Bible says it makes you a baby. I'm not in support of, especially young believers who just learn a few things in the Bible and start disturbing Twitter, calling out men of God and all of that. I don't believe any member of our church should behave like that. Praise the name of Jesus. We're people of order. But it's important that you know what the Bible says. Very quickly, time keeps running when we're having fun. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, <laughs> verse 33. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. You have to be as fast as possible. Did you ever play the game, that Bible sword? In children's parties, 
in our day. Christian children's parties, they, they do zanku. You know. Hallelujah. The last kiddies' party I, I attended, and I was playing nice gospel hip-hop songs. He said, one woman came. She didn't know how to tell me, so she said, play something that they can dance to. I said, ah, they can dance to this. <laughs> Hallelujah. We need to bring back those games. That's what I'm trying to say. Well, 1 Corinthians 15, 33, are you there? Read together, one, two, go. Be not deceived. Can you preach it to the person by your side, please? Can you be kind enough? Can you say brother or sister? Be not deceived. Evil communication, evil association corrupts good manners. Now listen to me. A lot of people think this is talking about morality. Oh, if you walk with people who are flat, always frolicking, smoking, drinking, you might start smoking and drinking, and, and that's good warning. But the interesting thing is, in this chapter, he was talking about doctrine, associating with people who have a terrible doctrine. He was talking about how some people came up with the funny idea that there is no resurrection. And how that false teaching had affected people that he had taught at first. And so when he says, be not deceived, evil communication corrupts good manners. He's talking about doctrine. Don't ever think to yourself, you can attend a church that is not teaching the word of God and you'll be okay. It's my personal relationship with God. I will just keep sifting. Well done. Sifter. What was I'm, I've been thinking of it. Sieve. Thank you. <laughs> Hallelujah. He said, don't try it. I, I like the fact he says, be not deceived. There is that reflex to think, I'll be okay. Do you know how long I've been in church and mature? Do, do, do you know my Bible study? I just like this church because they are hip. They have my kind of music. The word is not really there. But I'll be okay. And Paul says, be not deceived. I, I'm praying prophetically that this word will haunt you. All the days of your life. So he says, be not deceived. It, it's going to affect you. It's going to affect you. You can start it back, please. <laughs> Galatians chapter 5, verse 9. Galatians chapter 5, verse 9. Hmm. Am I going to finish this thing today? We'll go as far as we can. If we need to continue next week, then we will. Are you in Galatians 5.9? Read together, one, two, go. A little emphasis on little. Are you getting this? Emphasis on what? 
in little living, living at the whole lump. A little living, living at the whole lump. He's, he's telling you, oh boy, just one wrong association can ruin it all. This is a teaching in the word of God. Hallelujah. And this is why it matters where you worship. I tell you the truth before God. As someone who loves music, has been privileged to write many songs that people appreciate. Personally, I like things to be done well. Personally, I like to design my house, design my room. I've been like that since university days. I try to dress neat. So I, I appreciate good stuff. I like to attend a local assembly that, you know, at least, you understand now? But the Lord has worked on me. If the core is not there, <laughs> it's not a church. No car without engine. No, it might be Benzo. If engine is not there, it is not a car. Are you paying attention? So let the Lord train you, train your heart. Train your heart. Let me tell you this. Hey, time is fast spent. Do you know why there are terrible ministries? Because people are enabling them. The Bible says, the Bible says it. It says people will heap for themselves teachers having itchy ears. It is people. It is people that enable these ministries. You don't want to be told the truth. You don't want to be serious with God. You don't really want the commitment. So when we just say, it's okay, it's okay. You know, some churches, the only use of Bible at the beginning is, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do it. After that, they will not open it again. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it's true. They don't use Bible at all. They just raise it up. This is my, after that, you drop it down, and then you listen. Praise the Lord. I love you. <laughs> it takes love to say things like this. I, I never consider myself better than anyone else. Hallelujah. Permit me to be a man of God and tell you the truth. Amen. Amen. At least no name was mentioned. <laughs> so, when I'm looking for a church, what are the things to look for? What are the things to look for? You know, someone was recommending a church. He said, that church is so great. Man, guy. The toilet get easy. That's what, that's, that's what they told me. You understand? Yeah. And mind you, those things are, is, is, there's nothing wrong with administrative excellence. 
nothing wrong. But they are important things. Praise the Lord. Now, there are, there are some things that are important but not as important. There, there are things that can be overlooked. Praise the Lord. But I want to give you four things to look for, to look out for. Four things that you cannot afford to joke with. If you don't see those four things, run away. Hallelujah. Number one, a proper understanding of the gospel. A proper understanding of the gospel. And I'm not saying this because of personal bias, because maybe people call me a grace pre preacher. Do people call me that anyway? Not really. You know. But because of the importance the word of God has placed on this. This is the epicenter of the whole thing. If the gospel is missing, it's not a church. This is so important. Listen, I pray that God will open your heart, or better still, or in similar fashion, open your eyes to see my heart. This is so important. I'm not saying this. So that you can keep attending our church and stop attending any other church. I, I believe that this is the heart of God. Praise the Lord. Look at what the Bible says in, in Galatians chapter 2, verse 21. Galatians chapter 2. Listen, if that verse is not highlighted in your Bible, I want you to highlight it. I want you to highlight it. Praise the Lord. Are you there? Please read together one, two, go. The KGB says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. Sometimes we are more bothered about the man of God in question. Why is pastor talking like this? Why would he this, you know, I don't know why anyone would think, I, maybe no one thinks like that. We, we are sentimental about the man of God and about the church and all of that. The question is, what about Jesus? What about what he did? Do you know what it means for someone to say that anyone who doesn't pay tithe will not make heaven? Do, do, do you know what that says about the work of Christ? He says, can you read that again? One to go. It says, for if righteousness comes by the law, Christ died for nothing. If you're still telling me that the way to make heaven is by sinless perfection, I have to dot all the I's and cross all the T's. The question is, did Jesus die for sins? 
Why did he have to come? People were trying to do right before he came. So if I still have to try to do right, try to please God, try to be accepted by him and to be accepted in his home, he died for nothing. Now, so we are talking about the blood of Christ, the worth of that sacrifice. That's what matters most. If you know me well, you know I don't joke with relationships. I try to honor everybody. Hallelujah. And I would only talk like this because it has to be said. You know what the Bible says? It says, let God be true and all men what? You know, sometimes you just have to say, let's stick with the word of God. This is important. Not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Do you know why he said that? Because there will be certain situations that will put you in a position where you are afraid to say the truth. Your culture can be so unfriendly to the truth. Lies have reigned for so long. You're you are careful. For, for so long as a young minister, I was careful just to teach the word of God. Hallelujah. And that's why it got to a point, I tried to avoid making friends because in Africa, it looks like the moment you have a friend, you owe it to them to teach only the things that they are comfortable with. They, they, they now see it as an affront to the relationship. Oh. And, and it's wrong. I can love you as a person and still want to teach what the Bible says. Do you understand what I'm saying? Hallelujah. It says, if righteousness comes by your adherence to the law, what did he say about Christ and his sacrifice? It's all a waste. Does that matter to you? And so Paul found himself in such a precarious situation also. Now, this is a new convert in Christ, not so new anymore, you know. But the other guys had been there long before. They walked with Jesus, ate with him in his earthly ministry, you know, saw everything. They were eyewitnesses of everything that he did. And then you just have this experience where you are knocked off the horse by the power of God, you know. And then you are growing in revelation. But the very guy to whom Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail, you know, he's get, getting carried away. And Peter had to, Paul had to talk. So there might be those, you might find yourself in such a situation where people you honor might be wrong. Listen, this does not throw away all the great things they've done in the name of God. All the, do you understand what I'm saying? You, you can honor someone's contribution to the body of Christ and still say, but th this one, you know, I, I honor you, but when I open the word of God, I see something else. So it has to be addressed. Especially when something is at stake. You're going to see what I'm saying. Turn your Bibles, the same Galatians chapter 2, 
Let's read from verse 11. Hallelujah. Hey, God. Galatians chapter 2. From verse 11. It says, now when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face. Now, I might not encourage you to do this because that might be, I mean, it might be proud of you to try to compare yourself to Paul. Paul's relationship with Peter is not your relationship with a great man of God in this country. Do you understand? Let's all have sense. <laughs> Do you understand? Hallelujah. There, there, there are some men of God, if I see, I will just lie prostrate, greet them, you know. Trust me, if I have the opportunity, I will speak freely, confidently, open the word of God. Do you understand? But for <laughs> all those radical behavior of blocking people and saying things, I, I don't believe is proper at all. Do you understand? Just to, just to get out, out of the way. Hallelujah. <laughs> So, but he said, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. He says, for certain men came from James. For before certain men came from James, he could eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision, fearing the Jews. And the rest of the Jews, this is the problem. And the rest of the Jews also played the hip hypocrite with him. So that even Barnabas, this is, this is Paul's companion. This is the Barnabas that went about with Paul preaching. This is the problem when influential people say the wrong things and nothing is done about it. People get swayed away. So now, you love and honor the man of God. What about the body of Christ? Are you thinking about the people who sincerely will be damaged for life? Years ago, Pastor K is talking to a young fellow. He has not been in church more than a year. What happened? I knew you. You used to be so vibrant. So the last time I was in church, the man of God said that if we give a violent seed, <laughs> these things are serious. If we give a violent seed, that there's going to be a turnaround in one month. He said, I went home, I persuaded my parents to sell our only car. These things are happening. So now, someone is scared to talk about it. What about the people who are out of church? Because of these happenings, have, don't you have any compassion for them? Praise the Lord. You've probably met people like that. Now, some have trust issues forever. <laughs> Just suspicious. 
Hallelujah. It says, even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. So when Barnabas saw Peter, you have to understand, he was, he was close to Paul, but Peter was influential. And he wanted to act like Peter. He wanted to impress Peter. Be not deceived. Evil association does what? So now, the gospel that you have been following Paul to preach. That God has given the opportunity to, for salvation for all men. That in Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. Now, because of culture, because of what is popular, you are choosing only to eat with the Jews. It's a serious case. Praise the name of the Lord. And also, when you're silent about things like this, you betray your history. Your children may not forgive you. Because your father sacrificed for you. The reason why you can carry a Bible in your hand and own one to yourself is because of the sacrifice of your fathers. There was a time, there was a universal church and people could not have copies. And so someone would just determine what the word of God says, determine the interpretation, and a lot of things were happening. People were paying for sins. Are you getting what I'm saying? Are you a student of history at all? And it, it, people, you have to understand, people died for the freedom that you have. And now you are here just out of fear to offend, you don't want to say the truth. What will your children think of you? When you get to heaven, and the people who put their neck on platters to be, to be severed, just for your freedom and liberty in the gospel, when you see them, what will you say? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It's a serious matter. <laughs> Paul died on top of this matter. Are you aware? People literally died just to emphasize the fact that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone. You know, the, the, the Jews were like, okay, salvation and um, faith and circumcision. Is, no, grace alone, faith alone. They could, Paul refused to compromise that, okay, what's the big deal? Maybe as Jews, we're doing it. Is this circumcision that is your problem? But just so that the, the message will reach you unadulterated, he refused. It cost him his life. He, he was crucified. Are you aware? John was thrown into a basin of hot oil. Do you understand? 
Aleluya. There's a nursery rhyme, a Christian gospel song. Don't be a chicken, qua, 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 qua. Don't be a chicken, qua, 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 qua. Don't be. Edima, come, come and sing for them. <laughs> Is she shy? She loves the song. Don't be a chicken, be bold. Let's sing, want to go? Don't be a chicken, qua, 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 qua. Don't be, I'm serious, so sing this song. <laughs> Don't be a chicken, quack, 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 quack. Don't be a chicken, be bold. Hallelujah. Glory. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation to every man that believes. Second thing, because of time. <laughs> if you want to know more about the gospel, we have so many sermons on that. Hallelujah. And you can buy the book I wrote, Saving Grace. It explains that a lot. Number two thing to look out for, their theology about money. Their theology about what? It matters. One of the most emphasized truths in the New Testament is simply this. God is no respecter of persons. In Acts chapter 10, Peter said it, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. In Romans chapter 2 verse 11, and you masters do the same unto your servants forbearing and forbearing threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 9, for he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he had done, for there is no respect of persons. Colossians chapter 3 verse 25. And if you call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth every man according to his work? Time and again. James chapter 2 verse 1 and 2. There is no respect of persons with God. And so that, that should be one of the most evident things in our assembly. Hallelujah. That there are all kinds of people. Isn't that the prophecy of Joel? I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Sons and daughters, old and young. He says servants and handmaidens. Even slaves. People who are rich and who are poor. Who have jobs and who don't. Every one of them will be able to worship together without any sense of superiority, any competition, any... Do you understand what I'm saying? That should be one of the clear marks of our assemblies. Not a bamicidal, superficial... I'm not just talking about a desire for excellence, but... When you are trying on purpose to create an illusion of wealth, you know what I'm saying. The church is trying to, we get down. Putting stress on protocol to dress, you know, putting stress on choristers to buy what they cannot afford. Why? It's bigger than you realize. It's a huge problem. Why are we trying so much to brand ourselves wealthy? Why does it matter so much? 
Oh, Jesus. We use money to cause a divide amongst people that the blood of Christ has united. We do this consistently. We cause there to be, you know, a food chain, cadres in the body of Christ. And someone holds the mic and says, there is a blessing in the house. If you want to qualify for this blessing, bring $1,000. So now, the person who can't afford it, there are some blessings in Christ that he cannot access because he doesn't have that. Do you think, I, 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 have you thought about the implications of this? What this does to the work of Christ? Have you thought about this? Do you think this is just about differences? Praise the Lord. Listen. Some people use the weaknesses of other people as an opportunity to show that they are better. But I've prayed that God will open your eyes to see my heart. Hallelujah. That's the best I can do. It's a big problem. It's, it's Never to be taken lightly. Hallelujah. Some, it was innocently, you know, just out of wrong interpretation of the word of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Pastor, I want money. How can I get money? Well, seek first the kingdom of God, and then you're going to get money. You know, but, but they've not thought about it carefully. If I'm seeking God first to get money, I'm not seeking God first. I'm seeking money first. This is what happens when a chapter has 35 verses and you go straight to verse 33 of Matthew 6. You don't read the previous verses. Don't, if you had read the previous verses, it would have been clear to you when it says Solomon in all his wealth does not dress like the lilies. You would have understood. Even if you don't have a degree in theology, you would have known that your, your conclusion about the interpretation of verse 33 is suspicious. You would have known. When the earlier verses says you can't serve two masters, you can't serve God and mammon, in the same chapter, the same speaker now says seek first and all other things. Does it make sense? It matters, though. It matters. Some people learned covetousness in church. You were okay. You were content until you started in church. You, even the way some are dressed, you now want to dress your own. You hear suspicious testimonies, incomplete testimonies. We just say all of a sudden. Very <laughs> testimonies are that. I just started getting a lot, you know? And nobody will ask. The guy has 
entered money laundry. He's giving testimonies in church, paying dangerous offerings, and nobody cares. And worse, worse still, he has unsettled many people, many people who were okay with Christ. Yes. Now they are hearing these testimonies and feel something is wrong with them. All I'm saying is because just think about people, what, what they go through because of wrong teaching. Shall we, we're talking about ecclesia, love for the body. Do you love the people of God? Are you seeing the kind of damage that these things cause? Hallelujah. If teaching these things will mean I don't have friends in ministry, if you know me well, you know, I don't care. And God has given me energy. I'll preach Reboot Camp, Lagos, Abuja. Last year, no guest minister. All the sessions. Abi? Celebration Church has proven that you don't need to be inviting the whole world for your church to grow. Don't. It's not project management. It's the power of God. You don't know, you understand? Know Hallelujah. See what the Bible says. First Timothy chapter 6. I'll just read this one and then we'll move from this point because <laughs> there are three other points that I don't know. Ah, yeah, yeah. Who has a King James Version? I don't want spoon. Sorry. Thank you. Hallelujah. I wish I could read the whole thing to you. Now, I wish I could read the whole thing. From verse 1, it talks about how servants should treat their masters and how believing masters, it says believing masters should not despise them because they are brethren. What, what a mentality to have. So I might be your employer, but if you are in Christ, you're my brother. Do you understand? This is a teaching in the word of God. This is proper. Hallelujah. Not that someone will give one seed in church. Now he's dictating how the ministry will be run. <sighs> Verse 3. If any man teach otherwise and consent not even to the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness. So there is a proper way Christian doctrine should be conducted. Are you with me? Is verse 5, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, or that profit is godliness, or that 
the proof of your spirituality is that you have more money. And that the more money you have, the more spiritual you are. And that if you have more money, you're more spiritual than the person who has not as much money as you do. You know what he says? He says, from such, withdraw yourself. Meaning, we're talking about what church to attend. Finding home. He says, any place where this idea is projected, what did he say you should do? I mean, it's clearly written in the word of God. The emphasis every time, break through this. Um, miracle, what is it? You see educated people behaving like, you know, you tie all kinds of things on your body, on your car, on your, are you not losing it? I saw a man, you know, I parked by an eatery. The man by my side was pouring oil on his tires. You know the irony? The vulcanizer is probably pouring oil on his machine also. So who is God going to answer? He wants your tire to have problem so that you will come and he will pump it. And then you are anointing your tire. You're not going to change your tire. <laughs> big man or big SUV. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Matters a lot. The church can't, you know, and this is one thing a lot of pastors maybe don't know. Did, when I started teaching and emphasizing this thing in our ministry, People gave more. Told them, you don't give to be blessed, you give because you're blessed. I told them, if you don't, if you don't give your tithe, no devourer will devour you. You know, and one lady came to me on her own and said, I'm going to do 40% from today. In fact, it got so bad that there was a lady my wife and I called aside. And we said, we know you love God but the way you are given, true life story. We had to, I, I asked her, I said, do you have savings? She said, no. Ah, I said, ma, <laughs> praise the Lord. You don't need gimmicks. The people love the Lord. God has changed their hearts. If you need money, don't call a professional extortioner. Just say we have a building project. Please give. God will bless you. Or in fact, you are blessed. Abby? Don't just some people. The moment you see them on your flyer, you know your pastor is onto something. You just know you are in trouble. A friend of mine was going through a financial crisis. Listen, no. And an older minister called him and said, invite me. They will drop that money. He said they will sell their trouser. He said they will remove their trouser and give you. I'm telling you, these things are happening. He said, how much do you want to risk? 
invite me. He said they will cough it out. <laughs> Hallelujah. <sighs> Number three, charismatic ministry. Charismatic ministry. You know, when you attend the ministry, that subtly or directly mocks the manifestations of the Spirit. Some mock people falling down on the, under the power. Can I tell you something? It's human reflexes to try to pretend like what you are not seeing in your ministry is not needed. It's, it's, it's a marketing technique. Hallelujah. And they try to make, some even try to demonize it. But you see, throughout the Bible, Jesus laid, prayed for that guy, that young boy who was dumb and deaf. The Bible says he fell down as dead. People thought he was dead. He was slain. And then later he got up healed. Happened to Paul at his conversion. In Revelation chapter 1, the Bible says that when John heard voices, I am Alpha, Omega. He said he turned to see who was talking, and he fell down as dead. You see, throughout the Bible, when you see people, you know, especially you in, our, in this generation, you have to be grounded. Oh. Do you know the kind of attacks the devil is launching against the church? People are embarrassing us, so-called men of God, doing all kinds of things. Have you watched the documentary that is trending now? I want to a pastor too. Led that to Christ and was doing like this. I said, Jesus. See ya. Hey, God. I think, I can't remember. Was it? I think, was it? Early this year or late last year, I came back home in tears. I was crying in the car, actually. Got home. I didn't want my wife to be worried, so I tried to clean. And I greeted her, you know, tried. I said, something is wrong. I said, no, I'm fine. She followed me to the room. Something is wrong. I just burst into tears. I said, I don't want to be a pastor again. <laughs> I'm tired. It has almost become a stigma. What is it? Things that even Christians should not be doing. Uh, listen, we're we all saved by grace, okay? Uh, well, Paul said, even the hidden, you know, there's some things that even. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Just two texts for you to consider. First Corinthians 12, verse 31. First Corinthians 12, 31. It says, follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts. Not to the person by your side gently say desire spiritual gifts. Desire spirit. it, see, it's an instruction in the word of God. It's not an option. This is not marketing that, okay, sometimes I feel like Eating at Kilimanjaro, sometimes I feel like eating at 
Chicken Republic that, okay, it's either um, orthodox or charismatic. Some people speak in tongues. Some don't speak in tongues. It if you listen, if you're not actively desiring spiritual gifts, you are in disobedience. It's an instruction in the word of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. You're all going to read it together, so I want you to be as fast as possible. First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. Are you there? Read together, one to go. It says, follow after charity, desire spiritual gifts. You know, in another text, it says, covet endlessly. Listen, this is the only time covetousness is used in positive light. Every other time that Greek word was used, it was negative. But when zeal is directed towards God, it can never be too much. It can never be inordinate. Do you understand what I'm saying? Endlessly. You will hear people say funny things about tongues. People are not meant to speak in tongues together. It's meant to be one by one. And then I ask you, in Acts chapter 2, did they speak one by one? No. In Cornelius' house, Acts 10, did they speak one by one? No. In Acts 19, did they speak one by one? In all the places in the Bible where speaking in tongues was done, they did it together. How about you just keep quiet? And read the context properly. It says speaking in tongues is done in human language. Not in this one that everybody is doing in, our, in these days. Speaking gibberish. I said quite alright. So speaking in tongues is, you know, they say if you travel to China, you don't speak Mandarin, then the Holy Spirit will just grab your tongue. And supernaturally you begin to speak the language they understand. And I'll say, okay, but the Bible also says you don't speak in tongues except there's an interpreter. If I am speaking by, by the gift of the Spirit, it, a language that they already understand, why is interpretation needed? Do you understand? And they always sound as if you are the one who doesn't know what you're saying. And if you are not grounded, you'll be lost. The reason why there is need for the Bible is clear. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. How be it in the spirit he speaks mysteries. When you speak in an unknown tongue, your understanding is unfruitful. He said, if you speak in tongues. Anybody who doesn't know about speaking in tongues will call you mad. Did they not say so? Any ignorant person throughout the Bible, they either call you drunk or mad. The conclusion is always wrong. <laughs> you know why? Because it doesn't make sense. The only way it makes sense is by the Spirit. In the Spirit, He speaks mysteries. Don't let people talk low on healing. Don't let people talk low on 
comedians that have no boundaries? Why cameraman know the poor? You've heard jokes like that. Because it's not magic. To receive, you have to be expectant. It's not magic. Why would the cameraman fall? He's walking. Simple. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Can I tell you, the truth is prevailing in our day. See, we accept nothing less. Hallelujah. The plan of the devil to make the church watery. Not in my generation. Hallelujah. An army is rising. An army is rising. Oh, the devil didn't see this coming. And it's too late. Nothing can be done against it. Every plant that my heavenly father has not planted shall be rooted out. Hallelujah. By the time Edema is 15, there are some doctrines that will be totally non-existent. Hey. Totally, Hallelujah. in this country. Totally. If she hears it, she'll be shocked. That in history, they taught us that yeah. in your time they were teaching this. She'll be shocked. Ah. Hallelujah. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. It will grow in influence and popularity. We cannot be silenced. We cannot be resisted. Hallelujah. When I started teaching this thing, we were 50, so they tried to ignore us. <laughs> but they are beginning to take us a little seriously because, hallelujah, Spreading wide everywhere cannot be stopped. Nothing can be done against the truth but for the truth. Hallelujah, number four. <laughs> the church should be mission-minded, not just organization-minded, not just church growth-minded. I'm talking about in terms of numerical growth. You attend a good church, your personal drive for evangelism should increase. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? I spent a whole month talking about this. So, but this is important. This is why the church exists, it's not optional. This is why we exist, reaching the lost. And so if we are just, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. But from a natural standpoint, it just seems like you have a good venue. You have a couple of programs, some of them religious, some of them not so religious, some of them blatantly carnal. You invite all sorts of comedians. They say all sorts of jokes in the church. Do you understand? But people like programs. Haven't you noticed? And so they come. And then the church is growing. In quotes. And it's growing. 
There's a name for it. It's called project management. That's what it is. You can use goal setting. In one year, you'll be 1,000. Hallelujah. By the time you call this person, call this person, boom. And you're not teaching anything. Hallelujah. But this is what he said to go into the world and teach all nations. So when we assemble together, our drive to go should increase. We should see people who came, you know, as new members, timid, they're not able to speak boldly for the gospel. We should see them sharing the gospel on the streets, sharing the gospel in cabs, sharing the, you, you know, years ago, <laughs> there was a member of our church who was preaching. And someone was passing and heard her voice and said, I know that voice and called her name. Because she has, she has been preaching on that streets. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's important. The Bible says we are ambassadors for Christ. And so we are as responsible to this mission as Christ was. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. He has committed to us the announcement of reconciliation. So in Christ is the provision of salvation. In us is the announcement of salvation. So it's our responsibility to go. He has done the work. He said, all power in heaven and earth have been given unto me. He says, go therefore. So we are parts of this salvation plan. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. We are co-workers together with God. This is a mentality. Co-workers. Co-laborers. You can't keep lifting your hands in worship and saying, I love you. I desire you more than silver or gold. But you can't tell people about what he has done. He loved them by dying for them. And you can't talk about his love. But you say it's good news. Why is good news such a secret in your life? Isn't this the only good news that you are so reluctant to share? Maybe because no one has challenged you. Hallelujah. You know, some, I met someone at the airport. He recognized me as a pastor. We're talking. And he said, I, I want to ask you this. He said, I've not really been reading my Bible. What are the tips that I should do? I said, attend a better church. Many church members hold themselves accountable, and sometimes you're accountable. But there is a type of assembly you attend that will make you curious to know this Bible more. You will read. You will pray. Hallelujah. These things are contagious. The same way hypocrisy is contagious, Barnabas wanted to behave like Peter, the truth is contagious too. You can start preaching if you hear about preaching enough. The reason you know 250 scriptures offhand about God's willingness to bless you financially and you don't know any text on anything else is just where you've been going. Hallelujah. Let's be mission-minded. Let's pray for northern Nigeria. 
Hallelujah. Let's be ambitious for a selfless cause. Not just for our churches to grow. You, you have to start thinking about missionaries. Have you ever thought about that? Start thinking about missionaries who risk their lives, go to places that are unfriendly to the gospel. You, you start praying for them. You watch the news. When you hear that the church was burnt with people inside, you cry, you pray. When you begin to act like that, you know you're growing. Hallelujah. It's important. Now, just so that you know how bad things are, this point sounds deep. But this is the most elementary. This is why the church exists. To reach people, to make disciples. It's supposed to be the most elementary thing. Do you get what I'm saying? But now, if you're evangelizing, it's deep. It's, ah, like, guy, bro. <laughs> Hallelujah. Four things. Number one is what? Why are you responding like you're angry with me? Number one is what? Number two is what? Number three? Number four? Hallelujah. Do you understand? Listen. If you think I could have said anything better, let your discernment of my motive excuse me. Do you understand what I just said? And trust me, I tried. <laughs> if I say it the way I feel it, <laughs> everything will scatter. Were you blessed? Did you learn anything? Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.